Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello, my name is Neil Selwyn and in this episode of Meet the Education Researcher, I'm talking with Professor Kerry Facer from the University of Bristol. Now, Kerry and I go back to the late 1990s when we shared a small office together as very junior researchers. Now, 20-odd years later, Kerry's just finished a stint as the visiting Zenstrom Professor of Climate Change Leadership at Uppsala University in Sweden. I actually caught up with Kerry in France to have a chat about her work around the areas of education futures and her thinking about the roles that higher education can play as part of building better communities in an age of climate change. Kerry's work covers a lot of ground, so I started off by asking her for a couple of basic definitions. First off, I asked Kerry to walk me through the idea of futures studies, and also why we talk about futures in a plural sense, rather than a singular notion of the future. We think about the future all the time. And yet we have very little in the way of tools to help us think about it in, as Eric, Erica McWilliams calls it, non-stupid ways. Um, so I think future studies uh, really is a field that has developed um, to try to help us think about the future reflexively, or at least to understand how our ideas of the future affect our action in the present. Um, but it has, a, it has a number of different traditions so it has the kind of Cold War futures gaming tradition from strategy and business, which is all about trying to work out what the others are doing and how to get a good result out of it. Um, but it's also got a, a kind of critical future studies field, which is which really ties into traditions of critical theory, um, which is about saying, how do we understand how this idea of the future acts on us in the present? How does it work as a kind of political force? And how do we construct different ideas of what might be possible? And so the shift really from future to futures is the shift away from the idea that what we're doing is trying to predict something, so to predict the future, to recognise that the future isn't knowable, just isn't, it's ontologically, it doesn't exist. So it's not knowable. Uh, so what that means is all of the ways in which we work with futures are imaginary, which means they can be plural. So the challenge is, how do we pluralise, disrupt, open up our thinking about the sorts of futures that are possible? And how does that allow us to see different possibilities in the present? So really, that's the sort of thing we're interested in, is that anticipatory process. What's this idea of the future? How do we pluralise them? And how does it allow us to see something different in the present? So it's so a part of this non-stupid way of thinking about the future is, is really thinking about the present moment. It's absolutely about thinking. It's absolutely about trying to see what the possibilities are in the present moment. So one of the things that I'm particularly interested in is, is, is trying to help us be alert to the many different things that are ongoing at any particular time rather than getting stuck in a singular narrative. And there are lots of things going on at this particular time. And I just guess all these, issues, but all these issues are in time. But I wanted to focus on just one particular issue. And this is kind of something that you're trying to deal with at the moment, climate change, ecological instability. Now, before we kind of go into what education can, can do in this space, I just, again, wanted a kind of basic definition. I mean, what does that world look like? The, the real difficulty with when we're thinking about climate change is that precisely what it brings is unpredictability. It brings um, chaotic weather patterns. 
which means that you can't comfortably say, don't worry, this part of the world will get warmer and we'll just grow more grapes and this part of the world will get wetter and we'll just grow more rice. I mean, it, it, it brings profound instability. The other issue is that even above 1.5, we are already looking at, at significant tipping points that we are not sure what the consequences will be. Um, so if we think about what happens to the melting of the Greenland ice sheet, if we think about what happens with the burning of the Amazon, and if we combine that with the thawing of the permafrost, the combination of those is likely to be radical and disruptive. We don't know when they're going to happen. We know that they're all happening faster than we would like. Um, and the interactions between them will produce unintended consequences. So I think the, the critical thing about thinking about these warming scenarios is not to think of, of it as a kind of universal, manageable warming situation, but to think about a shift into radical and chaotic weather patterns. And these are weather patterns that include things like wind and tempests that are really, really hard to deal with, um, as well as drought and flooding that we tend to talk about a lot more. Which brings us to the sort of focus of the podcast, which is education. So, I mean, what can universities do? given everything you've just said. I mean, you can see changes to the day-to-day -day operations of campuses, you know, carbon neutral, no academic flying, but I mean, what else can educators and universities do? Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. The the, the no-brainer activity that we need to start on really is, is the mitigation activities and we can take responsibility for all of that. We can reduce carbon. But I think we also need to be thinking about the role of the universities and the other two significant elements of climate change, which is adaptation and regeneration. So um, when we think about adaptation, we need to recognise that universities are significant anchor institutions in their local communities. They can be places that can start supporting um, in terms of developing against disaster preparedness. They can start being places where we regenerate land so that we start creating more local food supplies. Um, but really, critically, I think I'd like to think more positively about what universities and local communities can do, and that's on the regenerative side. And here, what I want to see is is universities understanding that they can take a lead in supporting a transition towards more sustainable ways of living. So that will mean a rethinking of the university processes, the structures as we understand it, which is recognising that universities really shouldn't just be there to take the cash from students and to do really rather nicely out of it, but instead to support um, the large-scale transition we're going to need from carbon-intensive work to sustainable livelihoods. So when we look at what's happening with the pandemic, for example, globally, we are seeing huge rises in unemployment. Um, we're seeing huge changes in unemployment. One of the interesting things to notice was the shift of, from airline workers, from... Um, being ground crew and uh, cabin crew to changing to care working. Now that to me is a serious uh, transitional shift in employment and the sort of thing that we would want to see. So we need to do the same for building industry, um, for mining industries, for steel, for all the high intensive carbon intensive work. We need to start looking seriously about how we support people to invent new livelihoods and universities should be at the centre of that. This isn't just vocational education this is about really inventing new ways of living and if universities aren't doing that then I'm not really sure what they're for. 
Now, you've also written about how all of this is going to involve reshaping the knowledge structures of the university to actually kind of be able to do any of this. I mean, what do, we, what do universities have to do in that respect? We need to recognise that we can't be producing knowledge that is, um, that is, if you like, blind um, in so many different ways. So the single discipline uh, education and research that we have been reliant upon since the Enlightenment is profoundly unhelpful when it comes to thinking about climate change. It doesn't allow us to look at the interconnected philosophical, economic, social um, and material practices that all need to be thought about together. So fundamentally, we need to create more spaces within our universities for interdisciplinary thinking. That could be the sort of radical change that you see at places like Arizona State, where you get rid of the conventional disciplines and you set up, um, you know, thematic based work. Or it could be multidisciplinary approaches where you just create more spaces for conversation. But the reality is, is we can't deal with the sorts of what we would call complex or wicked problems like climate change unless we get a lot better at talking across disciplines. Um, And then the other issue that we need to bear in mind is that if we look at where people are actually stewarding land well, where they are living well in relation to biodiversity, this is the large percentage of land that is still stewarded by indigenous communities. This is particularly important, obviously, in Australia. So the critical shift that the universities need to take in terms of knowledge is to recognise that they have excluded from their walls the indigenous knowledge that is so essential to helping us work out how to live well. So what I would like to see and what we're starting to see around the world, some really interesting experiments, is the opening up and the increasing modesty of universities to recognise that their form of knowledge is just one amongst many form of knowledges and that we need to create better ways of having conversations in particular with Indigenous knowledge. The other thing that you've also talked about is the idea of just refocusing the education mission of the university. So I mean supporting students to develop capacity to, to deal with climate change. I mean again what sort of things should universities be thinking about there? Well I mean the reality is is if if we as universities are simply churning out young people who are going to take a role in leading carbon intensive univers- carbon intensive industries and extractive practices then anything else that we do isn't worth isn't worth anything. Um, I mean, let's face it, the civilization, the society that we've built that's got us into this trouble was not done by people without degrees. It was done by people with degrees and PhDs and masters. So critically, what we need to start doing is thinking about how we can support students to both confront and to address all the emotional challenges that there are of looking seriously at the world that we're making for ourselves. So this means that universities need to have the capacity to work with emotions, which is not something that we are particularly good at. Secondly, we need to support students to understand how they can act, to support them to build their agency wherever they stand, whether they're doctors or or engineers or philosophers, to think about what does it mean to act in the world, in recognition that we're living alongside other beings and alongside a a very serious dysfunction in our relationship with the planet. And then after that comes the sort of cognitive work that we need to do. So I think what we need to do is we need to see a shift towards a university education that is about head, heart and hands, uh, to put it simply, that really recognises the students that come through our doors as, as whole people, not just brains that we need to fill with whatever the latest knowledge is.
So you've talked about universities not taking the cash, embracing indigenous knowledge, working with emotion. I mean, this all sounds amazing, but it kind of sounds like you're arguing for a completely different institution than the university. Are you not just tempted to give up on universities and just try and reinvent another institution that can do all this? Yes. (laughs) Um, And I mean, I think that's the reality is is there are two things here. Will universities actually be the sorts of institutions we need for the current time? And I am very far from convinced that they will. Now, they are so large and so significant that I think we have to continue to work with them to try to transition as much as possible. But what I'm also excited by is the huge growth in different sorts of learning organisations that we're seeing all around the world that really are getting these sorts of issues and that really are addressing these sorts of challenges. And my hunch is that these are growing significantly. So we've got a huge amount to learn from that. I think the thing, the advantage of doing any futures work is you see civilizations rise and fall, you see empires grow and decrease. It is not impossible that universities in their current form will not play a useful enough role or an important enough role and that therefore they will diminish. The question is how can we perhaps allow that to happen in the most graceful way possible? Yeah, maybe this is just a moment. Universities are just a moment. I'm, I'm, we're concentrating on the higher education sector but I mean surely this is also something that kind of K-12 schools can take a lead on as well. I mean are, there, are you having thoughts in terms of compulsory education and what moves can be made in the compulsory education sector? Yeah I mean schools are really important. My slight worry about focusing on schools and compulsory education is that for the last 30 or 40 years we've deferred onto children our anxieties about climate change so we have made ourselves feel a lot better by frightening kids and saying you know what you need to worry about this and go and tell your parents which to me is not an ethical process nor is it one that's particularly effective Um, the things that we have to change now in relation to climate change are the things that adults are responsible for so I would say um, the primary target of climate change education understood as changing behaviours and practices should be oriented towards adults. However, for young people, absolutely, we need to be working with them around, well, what does it mean to look at this seriously? And how can we support you to to know that it is possible to create a good life that isn't dependent on the industrial modern infrastructure that is causing these problems? So that is a much more creative and agentic form of education than we have at present and it's fundamentally not about showing them pictures of melting icebergs and polar bears and telling them to be frightened which is unfortunately what too much um, climate change education has been oriented to in the past. I just wanted to have one final hopeful note, perhaps. I mean, you and me were bright young things once, way back in the 1990s. What advice would you have for the current crop of PhDs and ECRs? I mean, academia feels like a very different place now. I mean, why should they be entering it in the 2020s? Yeah, I wonder about this. I suppose what has meant that I've survived universities, which I think are very hostile places, actually, is by knowing that I don't need to be there. So I did other jobs, <laughs> you know, I, I did other things and I left universities for a while and then came back. And I think the, it's, it's dangerous to work somewhere where you think you have no other choice. 
So I think the really important thing is to remember that actually, if you're interested in doing this sort of work, there are huge choices. There are major social movements building. There are there is on the the ground activity. There's a demand for people to improvise and experiment and try new things. And you don't just have to do it in universities. So I would say that understanding what universities offer, which is in theory, intellectual freedom and a freedom to explore new ideas, is really important, but also knowing that they aren't the be all and end all. And I think if you can balance those two things, then you can chart a path within a university that reflects what you care about and what you think is important. But the point at which you start feeling like you're just doing things to stay is actually the point I think we should all be leaving. That's a really good note to end on, Kerry. Thanks ever so much for that. (laughs) And it's really good to catch up with you. Really good to hear about your work. Lovely to see you as well. (laughs) I shall see you in the future, the futures. I hope so.